I wonder how far you look ahead. So, are you the person who did their Christmas shopping in the January sales at the beginning of the year? Or is it all going to be done and dusted on Christmas Eve? Is that how it works? Maybe somewhere in the middle. Um, I, my family will tell you that I have spent the entire year, from about December the 27th last, this last year, looking ahead to Series 3 of The Crown, um, which is due out back end of this year, so much so that I have watched the first two series three times throughout the year just to keep myself going. Worrying, I know, I know. Perhaps you just take things one day at a time. Tomorrow can wait. And wherever we are, whether we are long-term planners or short-term thinkers, we do tend to look ahead in quite a linear way, one thing after the next. Now, tonight's passage is all about looking ahead and comes within this conversation that Jesus is having with some of his disciples about the signs of the end of the age. For me, quite frankly, sometimes Monday is far enough ahead to look forward to, let alone the week, the next four weeks, Christmas Day and beyond. And in all honesty, how much do we look ahead to Christ's second coming? How much thought do we give to it on a day-to-day basis? And how is it shaping our lives? Now, I wonder if this was the passage you were expecting to hear on the first Sunday of Advent. I kind of had in mind Mary and Elizabeth sharing baby scan photos uh, when I saw that I was due to preach tonight. Well, that's because Advent is a season that messes with our human sense of time. Here we are on Advent Sunday, starting our spiritual journey towards Christmas. And here we are reading of Jesus in Jerusalem on his journey to the cross, talking to his disciples about the signs of his return. Can you see? It's like God's sort of three-phase salvation plan all rolled into one. Phase one, incarnation. Phase two, death, resurrection, and ascension. And phase three, his second coming, all here in one evening. Now, we know that Advent is a season of preparation and self-examination as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But we are also called to look ahead to the final Advent. And Jesus comes as judge in the light of what he has achieved through death and resurrection. The three sort of salvation phases are so interconnected, you can't look at one without seeing reflections of the other. And this passage tonight is going to encourage us to look out, to look up, to look within, and to look forward as we look ahead to Christ's second coming during this season of Advent and beyond. So, let's delve in. Firstly, we are called to look out with purpose. Now, we pick up this chapter as Jesus is continuing to answer this question posed by the disciples, which was this. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And in the verses preceding this in the chapter, Jesus has warned about false teachers. He's talked about the reality of persecution and also assured his followers of his presence, direction, and protection to all who stand firm. And then Jesus moves on to talking about signs. And it's clear that there will be things for his followers to look out for. 
signs in nature, signs in mankind, signs in the very heart of the created world, the sea and the sky. And I think as we read this now, this passage, we are seeing signs in our world. Fish and killed in waters, polluted waters with plastic bottles everywhere are signs. Climate change debates becoming ever more global and urgent are signs. Migrant boats day after day of people fleeing from persecution are signs. Signs are not hard to spot, but they are easy to misunderstand. Because if we don't look out with purpose, we're in danger of just sort of looking at everything with a sense of doom and gloom, that the world is slowly imploding in on itself as man continues to press the self-destruct button. But as Christians, we are not to see these signs as a hands-off, powerless God. And isn't that what people often say to us? Where is your God in all of this? No. We are to see this as our creator and mighty God preparing the way for the Son of Man to come again in glory. Phase three, that final phase of salvation plan, will come to fruition. But it's going to get worse before it gets better. So like the fig trees and the other trees sprouting uh, to show that sign that summer is coming, there is hope, but that will only happen after the seasons of autumn and winter have passed, seasons of decay and darkness before new life emerges. Now, as Christians, we kind of live in a phase 2.5 season. Jesus has brought forgiveness and salvation to the world through his death, resurrection, and ascension, but we wait for him for this full and final defeat of sin and death. How then are we to look out with purpose while we wait? I'm going to liken it to show and tell. There's a few primary school teachers in here. I know we've all been there ourselves. Do you remember that moment? Monday morning on the carpet or maybe Friday afternoon, a bit of a time filler. Children sitting on the carpet, bursting. Hands are like, wanting to be that person who can get up and show everybody else something that's really important to them and tell them all about it. That is how we are to look out with purpose. We are to show the world how to live as distinctive daily disciples, how to live with care and compassion, care for creation and compassion for others. And we are to be proactive in mission, telling of the hope that we have in our amazing, sovereign God who made the world and everything in it and has an amazing salvation plan for all who believe. The Lord Jesus will come again. So in this phase three salvation time, Jesus will come all-powerful and he will be worshipped universally. But as the all-powerful sovereign... He comes to judge the world. And verse 35 confirms this, that this judgment on that day will come upon all those who live upon the face of the whole earth. Jesus' return is something we can look forward to, look ahead to. But judgment is at the heart. So for us to show and tell isn't an optional extra if time permits, but it's a matter of life and death. We don't know how long phase 2.5 is going to go on for, but we know that there are signs. 
So, as we are looking out for the signs of the end of the age, we have a clear purpose. To be Christ's hands and feet on the ground, caring for our broken world, and to be Christ's voice, telling people about him and showing the difference that he makes to our lives now, with the assurance that the Holy Spirit will equip us to do that, and with the certainty that Christ will come again. Don't we want our loved ones to be looking forward to Christ's return? not oblivious to it or fearful of it. So as we look out for those signs, who do we need to purposely look out for? Family members, friends, work colleagues, neighbors, people in the wider world. We need to be like children on the carpet, arms raised, bursting, bursting to tell people because we have good, life-changing and urgent news to share. Now, we all know that our diaries are probably packed over the next four weeks with lots of social gatherings. We have so many opportunities uh, to talk to people about Jesus over the next four weeks. We know that the number of people who will come through these doors over the next four weeks is huge. People are drawn to Jesus at this time of the year. Let's make the most of those opportunities and be distinctive and live purposefully. Secondly, from the passage, we are to look up with hope. Because Jesus tells that there'll be these signs that occur and uses adjectives to describe how people and nations will be feeling. And they don't make for good reading. Anguish, perplexity, terror, and apprehension. They are big human emotions that we can relate to and may have experienced in times of sadness and loss, vulnerability, danger, uncertainty. So for those who haven't seen and understood the signs, of course there will be response in this way. But as Christians, we're told to have a different response, and that is of hope. If you have a look at verses 27 and 28, but I'm just going to read them from the message translation. So once the signs are visible, it says this. Then, then, they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome. When all this starts to happen, stand up on your feet. Stand tall with your heads held high. Help is on the way. I'm sorry, I can't actually say those last five words without a bit of a Scottish twang, badly I know. Um, But be reminded of Mrs. Doubtfire, the wonderful Robin Williams, dressed in full granny garb, a prosthetic or two, at the point where in the restaurant, and his nemesis is choking on a scallop that he himself has spiked with paprika. Uh, If you watch that moment, he runs, he bounds across the restaurant. Everything that has happened between them is irrelevant. One needs the help of the other. A saviour is needed. Help is on the way, dear. And here we have a description of our saviour, the Son of Man, which is a title used only by Jesus to describe himself. We see him coming in power with great glory to rescue us from the power of death once and for all. We may live in a broken world now and be dismayed by the violence, the conflict, the inhumanity that we see. But Jesus will return to bring in his kingdom and an end to the old order. Help is on the way.
So the Son of Man calls us to stand up tall, physically and metaphorically. While we wait, we are to look up at the big picture. Keep trusting in the redemptive plan. Keep our eyes fixed on him and to stand firm in our faith in a broken, unstable world because help is on the way. We are standing on solid ground, an everlasting promise that runs through God's word from Genesis to Revelation. As it says in verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Are we looking up and standing firm in hope of our Savior's return? I have to say I'm challenged by that because I know that whilst I love the Lord and spend time in his presence every day, so so often my faith is quite little picture. The prayers I say are small, daily concerns. My lens is, is, is pretty short. Is it enough about praise and prayer to the Almighty who's got everything in control? Is it enough about praying for the world and revival? Perhaps we're a bit fearful about Christ's return. Jesus paints a big picture in here about what it's going to look like. Maybe we don't feel we're going to be match fit for the second coming. I'm going to take some time in Advent to try and pray some more bigger prayers, to look out of myself and look bigger and beyond, uh, because we have huge hope ahead of us. And actually, when our Savior returns, all of those things that bother us on a daily basis, all those preoccupations, all those worries, will become irrelevant when he's back. So as we remember the help that came into the world 2,000 years ago in that stable, let's keep looking up, knowing that help is on the way again. And because Jesus came to the world and lived amongst ordinary human beings, he knows how we are wired, and he knows how easy it is to get bogged down in the everyday and not to live in the hope of what's to come. And that is why this passage challenges us to look within with prayer and perspective. If you take a look at verse 34, Jesus says, Be careful, or your heart will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Okay, I had to look dissipation up. It's not a word that I use every day. So dissipation either means um, excess, overindulging at one end of the scale, or it can be frittering away things, time, money, and resources. So whichever way you look at it, it can either be about having too much of the wrong thing or actually having something that's good but not using it wisely as a steward. Either way, it's about living with the wrong perspective and spiritual short-sightedness. Who's ever bumped into somebody or had a significant near miss? iPhone in hand. Yeah? Yes, thank you. A few, a few people. We don't trip because we're physically short-sighted. We trip because we're looking at the wrong thing with the wrong focus at the wrong time. And this is what Jesus is warning about for our lives in phase 2.5. If we're not looking out with purpose and we're not looking up with hope, we will find ourselves getting weighed down by our lifestyles and the world around us. We get molded into the prevailing culture. We become spiritually short-sighted when, as the message puts it in verse 34, 
we let the sharp edge of our expectation of Jesus' return get dulled by everyday issues. So how do we get our perspective right? Living in this world and doing all of those everyday things that we are called to do, but with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Well, one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, is on our kitchen wall, and it's a screensaver on my phone. That's how much I need to remember this. It says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So having the right perspective comes from continually renewing our minds by dwelling on the right things and letting them guide our thoughts, our actions and decisions, and reflecting on those things that take up too much headspace and are having a negative impact on us. So as we enter into the season of Advent, I want to challenge us to think about what are our minds fixed on at the moment. Where's our perspective? What's weighing us down? Perhaps it is the wrong thing with the wrong focus at the wrong time. Perhaps it's the right thing, but with not enough time and focus. There's a very simple quote that says this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Not hard to remember, hopefully. Who's the main thing? Who's the Christ in Christmas? Who's the Savior? Who's on the way to help? Who's here now to help? It's Jesus. If anything else is blocking our vision of him at the moment, then Advent is the season to clear the view. If we are weighed down with anxieties, Jesus wants to carry the load. He's here to help now. Advent is the time to examine our hearts, correct that spiritual short-sightedness, so that we can see our saviour clearly. So how do we keep the main thing the main thing? Well, perhaps for some of us, it's taking that time over the next four weeks just to dwell on God's word more. Perhaps I can encourage you to take a gospel, read a little bit each day, just reacquaint yourself with Jesus. Maybe it's an Advent reflection book. I've raided the bookstore. There's a few up there, and I've got some I'd gladly lend you. Something to read each day just to keep our perspective fixed on Jesus. Hashtag follow the star. We heard of that earlier. Grab a leaflet. Something that will discipline us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Maybe you want to do something practical. The Bible Society has got a great uh, journey through Advent as well at the moment where it's about giving something to somebody else each day, about doing something practical. Google the Bible Society, you'll find it. It's fantastic. Maybe it's time for some journaling, some prayer with somebody else, exploring some of those anxieties that are weighing you down at the moment. Whatever it is, why not take the time tonight at the start of Advent just to pray with somebody? Somebody you came with tonight, somebody you know, one of our prayer team. Start this season with God. In fact, Jesus himself commands us in this passage to protect ourselves from getting bogged down with this life. To pray, to keep close to him and be ready for his return. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Because when we do that, we have the most exciting, incredible and awesome encounter to look forward to. 
we will be able to stand before the Son of Man, not because of what we've done, in fact, in spite of it, but because of what he has done for us through his death and resurrection. Not because we deserve it, but because of his grace. I think it's quite hard for us to imagine or comprehend just what this experience will be like one day. But we have absolute confidence that phase three of God's salvation plan will be fulfilled and we will meet our saviour. It's something to look forward to and it's something to prepare for by telling others about the Jesus who has saved us and makes a difference to our lives now and showing others how he longs to save them. Jesus says in this passage, always be on the watch. We need to watch out for when our faith has lost perspective, when we're giving too much time to the wrong things instead of the main thing. We need to watch out for opportunities to share the gospel with those who don't yet know Jesus. We need to watch out for signs of our everlasting God at work in this world through good and bad to be reminded of his sovereignty and faithfulness to us. He will fulfill his promise of the new Jerusalem. In Revelation 21, it says, There will be a new heaven and a new earth. No more death or mourning or crying or pain. As we enter into this season of Advent, may we look ahead to celebrating together the birth of Jesus. Let's look out for opportunities to be distinctive in our lives amongst those who don't yet have faith. And let's be bold in our witness. And all of these opportunities that are coming up, we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's look up with hope. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the busyness of our everyday lives and in the hope that the best is yet to come. Let's look within through Advent, taking time to honestly reflect and assess our priorities, being intentional about seeing Jesus more clearly. And let's look forward, not only to the birth of our Saviour, but in confidence of his return when we will meet him face to face. Amen.